Good morning, everybody. How are you? Hope all is well. Welcome to another episode of Shot of Philosophy. Here we are once again, Marcus Aurelius Meditations, the Gregory Hayes translation. I kind of flipped through a little bit today looking for something quick because I have to head out a little bit soon. Got up a little late today. So I want to grab a couple quick lines and as the meditations always do, right? Very giving in regards to um, some quick lines that are really powerful, I think. So I open to this page. This is page 114 in Gregory Hayes' Gregory Hayes's translation. And I have two quotes I want to share and do a little bit of interpreting today. So both of these involve basically how we deal with others. And for the ancient Greeks, or let's say a lot of the ancient Greeks, um, we were naturally social beings, right? That was a, you know, I, I think that's actually a very powerful concept that we're naturally social. So that was sort of a, an accepted belief amongst certain schools and philosophers in ancient Greece and ancient Rome. So I think that is true, right? Even if you're like, you know, I, we sort of, uh, we get a little bit obsessive in our culture about like this introvert versus extrovert conversation. Um, and it's usually not held in my opinion, like in a super complete or full way. There are a lot of different types of introvertedness introversion. I don't know. It's not even 6am yet. I'm sorry. Um, either way, like you could be an introverted thinker, but an extroverted feeler. I mean, it's a very complex conversation. I, maybe I'll do an episode on that. It's not from a philosophy book per se, but I have an education book on that that kind of breaks down different, uh, different types of being introverted, different types of being extroverted. Um, either way, we deal with people. We have to, right? And I think for me as, you know, coming from this, this teaching background, as someone who's worked with a lot of students who also are students but have jobs outside of school, we've had really good conversations using Marcus Aurelius on like, how do you deal with people at work? And it's not at all an easy question. And it's actually, in my opinion, a very important question. We spend a lot of time at work. Also, we've spent a lot of time working on how do we um, have healthy family relationships and friendships and how do I relate to my significant other? So we're all constantly relating to people. And again, a part of stoicism among other philosophies and psychologies too, or schools of psychology, I guess, um, involves cultivating an, an inner life that is healthy such that the outer life becomes healthier too. And that's not necessarily to say that we only cultivate an inner life to have a healthier outer life because we cultivate a healthy inner life because that's necessary to just be joyful, right? So we definitely want to focus on that. And I think these two quotes sort of get us to a place where we're balancing both, right? The inner and the outer. So here we go. Number 59, he says to himself or writes, right? People exist for one another. You can instruct or endure them. Two lines. I think they're very powerful though. We exist for one another, right? The word for there to me is very, is very interesting, right? Once again, Marcus Aurelius, among other Stoics, obsessed with service, and I think service is a pathway to individual happiness in many cases and in many ways. Not always, of course, right? Sometimes we could be of service and we forget to care for ourselves if, if, if we're too uh, selfless, right? So even selflessness, I think in excess, not a great idea. But ultimately, this general conception, I think, will keep a family afloat, will keep a family healthy. I can't even tell you how many times, even just recently, and I'm very blessed in this regard. I can call someone in my family, usually my sister, for advice, and she can call me for advice or what have you, right? And the idea that my time is not only mine is actually, I think, very meaningful. 
I'll put down what I'm doing to, to give my attention, right? There's a great quote from a book that I, I think I may mention already that I'm still kind of going through called The Socrates Express by Eric, um, Eric Weiner. And he talks about how uh, at the heart of, of love is attention, right? He, I think he even says, I'm trying to quote him directly here, the book's across my apartment. I can see the book. I'm just not going to make it there right now. Um, but we will do some more specifics on that book because it's great. Um, my apartment isn't that big. I just don't feel like going over there. Anyway, he, I think he literally says, quote, attention is love, right? So when we give our time and we realize that we exist for others, it's not just to say like, uh, it's not a passive thing. It's it's the willingness and the practice of giving our attention, not just our time, but our attention to other people for their improvement in in response to what they're saying they need, in response to their expressed suffering, right? So that I think that gives Marcus a direction and it gives his daily life meaning as it should for all of us too, right? And we could get into a little conversation, for example, on uh, David Hansen's was a great professor at a teacher's college I've worked with who's written a, you know, a number of books, really, really great guy, really interesting work on uh, vocation, right? You want to have a vocation in life. And I talk to everyone about this. This is like, I repeat this constantly. You don't want a job. You don't want a career. You want a vocation, which is to say you want to have a sense of personal fulfillment and the sense that you're fulfilling a public obligation, which is to say, or I'm sorry. Yeah, I guess a public obligation, which is to say you're of service. Right? You want to feel like you're creating something for the world that is useful for the world. And you could have a vocational approach to, to your, quote, job. Right, So you could be a, a teacher, an accountant, a firefighter, all, all the above. Right, you can, it's, it's about an approach of being helpful to others and also getting a sense of joy, fulfillment for yourself. And you could even have it with hobbies too, right? Like you could, and I think we need hobbies in life. Please get a hobby. Like that sounds weird, but... Uh, you know, and I mean this uh, nicely, right? Like I even find with myself when I don't tend to my hobbies and I just come home after work and watch TV, my life is less fulfilling. I get more anxious. I get more stressed. I like to make time for a little TV during the week and on the weekends, you know, of course, but ultimately we need hobbies and hobbies, I think, enrich our lives. We need to have a purposeful sense of leisure where we're challenging ourselves right, to create something. And for example, the one he used in the book with a hobby, if I remember correctly, I think was gardening, right? You can garden and make something that other people will see that will bring beauty to their day. And that should make you feel good. While it should also make you feel good to just simply work on the garden before you even, uh, let's say, bring someone to see it. And I think about my barber with this. So my barber cuts hair out of his house now, and he has a really nice garden that he loves to do because he's done it for years. Um, but like now he brings his grandkids into the garden and they love it too. So it's like, there's a sense that he's made something for himself and for others and it fuels the, the, uh, the enjoyment of it. Right. So with this perception, we can think of what we can cultivate to stick with the garden idea, right? That is good for us and good for others. And he, you know, I think Marcus is reminding himself of this. Maybe after he had a great day working with people, he's like, oh, wow, this is like, this is re reinforcing it. Or of course, it might be the opposite where he's having a rough day with people. He's reminding himself to like, okay, stay on the track of service, not of anger or of becoming resentful towards people or whatever, or critical, right? And then that or critical is where the second sentence comes in, right? You can instruct or endure them. So you can either help them grow by teaching them, or you have to put up with them. But there's no other option here. There's no leaving. We're Again, we're naturally social. We're not going to just check out and go live on an island somewhere. 
we're not going to buy ourselves. That's a metaphor, right? Um, like not, I meant to say like not surrounded by other people. No, we're going to, we're going to be in a, in a society. We're going to be a part of this thing, right? Humanity. So we have to teach others or put up with their errors. And if they continue in their errors, Marcus, I think would say, look at least first and most intensely to yourself. How could you improve your instruction? Don't blame them. Great book, The Inner Citadel by Pierre Hadot talks about gentleness being a part of the Stoic philosophical tradition. And I think Marcus is displaying that here. Either put up with them or try to guide them. Don't hate them. Don't be angry with them. Right? 61. The next one on page 114, I said, I have two quotes today, right? This is good too. And again, we don't know necessarily all the order or the source or the reason for these meditations, but it's great that these are so close to one another. To enter others' minds and let them enter yours. So that's all he says, which is again, some of these like don't make a whole lot of sense. Um, By that, I mean like it's not really clear what he means. I think that's a part of the fun of this. I think it's a good way to reveal my own bias, right? It's like, why would I interpret it this way? This is also why I recommend returning to books to everyone. Reread stuff and try to keep notes on it too to see where you were thinking. I'm not doing that now, which is a hypocritical move, but whatever. Uh, To see where you were thinking a year ago on number 61 right? To see how you've developed. That's very cool, I think. And I have all these old notebooks that sometimes I'll flip through and I'll, and I'll find moments like this. I'm like, oh shit, that's what I was thinking. Because um, you want to see how you develop with this. I always suggest that. Find a few books. And this is such a, this is not hypocritical, right? Because I've, as I've shared, I've read meditations dozens of times. I've taught it dozens of times, right? Between teaching and reading this, I think I'm in the hundreds in terms of just my engagements with various aspects of this text. Um <clears throat> And yet here I still am, like I'm returning to it when I'm starting this new thing in my life, again, this new job, like I return to this as a guide, right? We need, I think, whether it's books, I would say definitely make it books or at least make books a part of this conversation, but books, movies, music, right? Maybe even speeches like on YouTube or something. I do that a lot too, um, that we return to. It's important to have these kind of touchstones in life. There are people in our lives, hopefully, that we keep with us, right? I just had a great conversation with um, a friend of mine, my oldest friend, and we, we talk at least once or twice a week. And we usually you know, we spend more time together, but you know, with COVID and everything, we've been very cautious. But ultimately, you know, this is a person who stayed in my life consistently for a lot of reasons. We could think of books and authors and philosophers, psychologists, musicians as similar in that regard right so this quote to me is like such a general kind of cool stoic quote that the meaning is a little bit ambiguous but it's it's pointing to one of their major ideas which is like internal versus external which is how i started this little conversation today right to enter others minds not really possible you can't read other people's minds and yet we torture ourselves trying to that's something I do all the time and something I think is almost naturally human because we're so imaginative. And as I said, I think last episode even, our imaginations can get us into trouble. This is a good example of that. Don't enter other people's minds. It's not a good practice. Now, we should sympathize with other people by asking them questions to come to know them. But also when we try to enter people's minds without asking good questions, that's naive. It's a little bit arrogant too, right? 
and we're bringing our own bias biases, as I said a moment ago, into that experience of reading other people's minds. And I think we have moments in, you know, let's say relationships where we know people very well, where we kind of can read their minds and that's cool, but we should always ask because to read someone's mind and assume you know what they're thinking without like double checking with them is a little bit disrespectful. Right now, it doesn't mean we can't predict someone's way of thinking and acting and help them. Of course we can. And we can maybe have a moment where we laugh about, oh, I knew you were going to say that, haha, whatever. But ultimately, to lead a life where you're constantly trying to get in people's heads, not the move, right? That you're going to just, it's not a healthy way, to, way of being, right? And then also to let them enter yours is a problem. And I think of like that old, uh, I don't know if it's old, I don't know why I said that. Um, but that the idea of like, you know, if someone in your head and they're not paying rent, get them out of your head. And that's more of a negative take on this, right? Or both of those are kind of negative takes. But I think from you know what I understand about Stoicism, they wouldn't want us trying to read other people's minds, and they really wouldn't want us to allow other people to take up too much space in our heads. Okay, positive space, yes, but even with that, be careful. Right, you want to control your own thinking to the best of your ability. You want to formulate your own opinions to the best of your ability. You want to always accept help. Mark's release was huge on that. There's a great quote in here somewhere, right? Never be ashamed to accept help. We all need help. That's not what this is saying. To allow someone to enter your mind might also mean to, to allow them to control your mind, control your thoughts, and control your actions. Don't do that. Big difference between getting advice, examining it, and accepting it and having someone literally be your own brain. All right, so maybe he's remarking here on a moment where he was in someone's head and they were in his and it was just like, okay, we can't have this. Now, we could maybe argue for a more of a positive interpretation of this. But I, and again, for me, I think Marcus goes with that first one based on what I know about stoicism and his perceptions here, right? And the unfortunate reality is a lot of the meditations aren't all that positive on human nature, right? He's, again, I think when some people remark on how this text might be negative, they might be losing sight of the fact that he's venting. He's venting in the book or on the page instead of yelling at somebody. So you're going to get a little more negativity because this is also therapeutic, right? So, you know, from what I understand, a lot of times, when we perform therapy, you're not going to go in there most of the time when you're speaking to an individual or when you go to sit down and write in your uh, philosophical journaling practice as therapy or whatever you do as therapy. It's not always going to be like this positive thing, obviously, right? You're not going to go and be like, today was great all the time, right? The point is to get stuff off your, uh, off your chest, right? To lift the weight off your shoulders. And that's going to require some venting, I think, or some uh, remarking negatively on things. But I think we could also maybe, and this is maybe uh, moving away from the Stoic interpretation, and I won't make this too long. I'm, I'm looking, I'm ready. Yeah, I'm, I'm past. I got to get to work soon. Because um, I, I, I want to believe in this. I want to believe that there are moments in life where like, I don't know. Like I think the idea of divine intervention is cool. You know, I just don't know. Like there's moments where sometimes you, I think you have an out of body experience, but what is that? I don't know, but I think that's very interesting to me, right? You know, um, and I think sometimes when you get really good advice from someone else, there, there's the maybe, uh, is it easy to always bear 100% of the responsibility for everything you do in life? Of course, it's not easy. Is that the thing to do? I think certain philosophies would argue yes. 
right? Of course, there are other philosophies, other practices from different, you know, modes of thinking and being that would suggest that we're not even making conscious choices, right? So these are larger questions um, that I get into sometimes. But ultimately, to let someone else enter your mind is a natural part of being a person, right? Again, back to the, the simple idea of advice. Jean-Paul Sartre in his piece, Existentialism is a Humanism, doesn't love advice. He's like, look, you're asking for advice. Well, guess what? You chose who to ask. So you're kind of involving, you're not kind of, you're involving yourself. You know what they're going to say a little bit. And I, I get that sense all the time, but that doesn't mean it's not good advice. And I don't think he's even saying that. I think he's just saying, don't sit and act like you're not responsible for who you ask for, who you ask for the advice from. But good advice is good advice, and I think taking advice seriously is sort of a way of letting someone enter your mind. And that might not be the worst thing either, right? But we have to be cautious of it. We have to be aware of it, which is why I think Marcus maybe is so ambiguous with this quote, with this uh, meditation, right? Because he's not saying anything other than to enter others' minds and let them enter yours. That's sort of like, okay, maybe he's saying this happens. And by writing, he's reminding himself that it happens. And in so doing, it's like, okay, don't be naive or numb to this fact of life, that we're social and that we have an, an opportunity and an ability to influence each other. But that influence should not go unchecked or unnoticed. I think that's a very interesting way to look at this. So just for a second here, as we do, right, try to end on some questions. How have you been of service to others recently? How have you helped the people around you? To go back to the first quote, how have you instructed somebody? How have you received instruction? Who in your life right now, like literal people in your life, are your best teachers? What have been your best teaching moments recently? Another one. How can you endure people more kindly? How can you put up with people more kindly? I have to, I have to be better at that. In all honesty, sometimes I could be, especially with, and this is, I think, a strange part of human nature too, a little bit. I could be impatient with my loved ones at times because I love them, right? And at times too, it's because I want the best for them. I'm like, can we just, can we get this done? But it's like, that's not how you should talk to people. Can we move? You know I mean? Can we just, but that's not right. We want to be gentle. Back to what I said from Pierre Hadot, right? So gentleness too is a virtue. Now I can pursue that virtue and I actively do. Before I go visit certain people, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to be calm. I'm going to be kind. I'm going to be patient as I'm driving to the to their house, literally. So I think that that's a nice little practice here after answering the question of how can I, and the word endure isn't a great word for this, but how could I sort of be with others as virtuously as possible? Then also who influences you, right? And the other way to phrase that might be to whose influence are you most readily open, right? So who do you allow to influence you the most? And also who do you think you're influencing? And how important is that, right? Like how should you maybe be more conscious of how you offer influence to your siblings or offer influence to your significant other? Hope this was helpful. Sorry this was a little bit long, but these are good quotes. I hope that was enjoyable and useful. So thank you for listening. Take care and I'll talk to you soon.